Hello friends, welcome to 100 Degrees Below Freezing, a story and devotional podcast where we share the experiences we've had while following Jesus in the Alaskan bush. Sometimes odd, sometimes funny, sometimes painful, but always in light of Jesus. Grab something warm and join us in the adventure. Episode 7, Do You Like the Soup? Moosehead soup is an Athabascan regional delicacy. Much like gumbo in Louisiana or ribs in Kentucky, moosehead or moose nose soup varies between regions. Now I say moose nose versus moose head because if you've ever seen a moose, there is not a lot to its head other than its nose. It's not one of God's more elegant creatures. The foundation of this cultural cuisine is the head of a moose boiled and all the edible parts picked off or chopped up and combined with the resulting stock. Variations then become as numerous as last names. I'm unsure if anyone has ever passed on a family recipe for this. It's probably just one of those dishes that you have to watch grandma make and then try to copy it. Sometimes it has noodles added, sometimes carrots or potatoes. To me, the most distinct part of moose nose soup is the cartilage. Everything from the inside of the nasal passages to the upper palate of the mouth is cubed into quarter to half-sized chunks of cartilage. The challenge with cartilage is that it never really breaks down in the cooking process, nor does it break down much in the chewing process either. It does not have a distinct taste, but it does for certain have a distinct texture. A texture that does not change no matter how long you chew it. With your soup, you salt and pepper it to taste, usually serve it piping hot with some crackers or pilot bread, and there you have moosehead soup. The question I guess most would be asking at this point is, do you like the soup? And the answer is, yes, I do. Not enough to make it for myself, but I love the people who I end up eating moosehead soup with. I serve in a multicultural context. Most other ministries I was involved in previously were in monocultural contexts. It's easy in those places to just blend into the normal way of life of the people there. You don't have to think about what you say or what you do because it's all second nature to you. But here, there is a blending of cultural norms, and sometimes those norms are hard to keep up with. Take handshakes, for instance. My Western culture views handshakes as a sign of who you are as a man. You give a handshake firm like you mean it when you first meet someone. In native culture, that would generally be completely inappropriate. The Athabascans give a firm handshake, not as hard as, say, your standard redneck handshake. You always take your glove off to shake someone's hand. Yupiks, on the other hand, give gentle handshakes. Some might even describe it as a limp handshake. To my cultural norm, this is completely weird and inappropriate. But to the Yupik, who always shows gentle respect, they see a firm handshake as domination or assertion, which is something they would never want to do. It would be as if in Western culture, as you're giving someone a firm handshake, you say to their face, I'm better than you. So looking to the value of cultural expression leads us to better understand and care about the person. Now back to the soup. Most native Alaskan cultural food comes from the challenges of living in a rugged environment. Moose nose soup is no exception. 
If at all possible, native Alaskans waste as little of the moose as possible, because a hundred years ago, if they did waste it, they would starve to death. The liver, kidneys, heart, tongue, large intestines, knees, nose, and leg bones are frozen, dried, or jarred, along with the 500 pounds of meat that come from the animal. It's incredible conservation and use of a natural resource. I guess you can make soup out of just about anything, so why not moose nose? What does any of this have to do with Jesus? Well, there's a lot of history in rural Alaska about missionary engagement with native culture. The vast majority of it that gets talked about is not very good. Horrible stories of abuse and heartache have been passed down over the last hundred years. Children who were beaten by a priest or nun because they dared to speak a sentence in their native language. Families ripped apart by forced religious boarding schools. Art and culture destroyed and confiscated by missionaries who thought them to be superstitious. What are we to do with a past like this and a present like now? I believe the answer is we love the people whose soup we eat. And while we eat it, we point them to Jesus. A grace-filled love that acknowledges the hurts of the past, the challenges of the present, and a gospel-filled hope for someone's future. We cannot love someone if we are not willing to see them for who they presently are. Native people's greatest need is not to become more American, more Western, or even more Christian, in the sense that American Christianity has an extremely unhealthy cultural norm all of its own. No, their greatest need is to come to faith in Jesus, to treasure him above all else. Anything else would be answering the question, what does it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses his soul? I never want a native person to give up being native. In fact, as I read Revelation 7-9, I see something incredible about culture. It says, After this I looked, and behold, a great multitude that no one could number, from every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed in white robes with palm branches in their hands. One of the distinguishable traits of those saints before the throne of God is this, their language, their tribe. Aspects of their culture make it into eternity. So how do we rightly engage culture with the gospel? I think the missiological framework of receive, redeem, and reject is right. When a cultural worldview is confronted with the gospel, mine included, there are three things that must happen. Either the gospel will receive that aspect of my culture and tr as true and right from God through his word. It will redeem what is fallen in light of the gospel, or it will reject that aspect of my culture as sinful and broken. The key to this is that it is the gospel, not the missionary, that changes the heart. And the culture is not changed aside from the gospel. In the same way that we didn't get our act together before we came to faith in Jesus, we came to Jesus broken and needy, and through the Holy Spirit's conviction and illumination of the Word of God, we began to grow, laying aside old ways that did not honor God 
or rejecting those aspects of our culture that didn't line up with Jesus. Some things we continue to do, but with a new motive. God redeemed those parts of us. And other things we had new authority in because we saw that not only was it something that our culture said was good, it was something that God himself had authored. No missionary, church planter, or pastor should ever see their job as one to change culture. Our job is always to make disciples, to share the gospel. We teach disciples what it looks like for them to follow Jesus. Culture will change, but it should only change in light of Jesus. I like to imagine that at the wedding feast of the Lamb, there's going to be a big, banged-up stockpot with a bent ladle being passed around, filled to the brim with moose-nose soup. Because I know some folks who love it and also deeply love Jesus, and I sure do love them. Thanks so much for joining us on this episode of 100 Degrees Below Freezing. To you, friends, I say, stay warm and never stop needing Jesus. Thank you.